Dave. I'm here with Scott. We're part of the Mad Ice Media Network. Uh, I'm going to say real quick off the top, uh, please like the video if you're watching. If you haven't subscribed to the channel, please subscribe. It really helps. If you're listening on audio, thank you. We're also YouTube live stream. There's a link in the show notes to come and subscribe and like the videos and do all that happy stuff. Scott, how you doing? I'm good. I'm so. What's are you questionable? What's happening? Well, so the thing is, is that the title of the episode this week is that every everybody's hurt. Yeah. It seemed yeah. like it's, it seemed like every fantasy relevant player in the league got hurt this week. Um, so that's what uh, that's what it is. Uh, my injury is a dorsal fat pad, which apparently is the fancy term for my little like bump that I have on this shoulder. So that audio is probably horrible with my arm in front of it, but nobody oh, said it was good. a pro. I didn't know um, if you might have hurt yourself walking on the treadmill drafting best ball teams again, you know. All right. So I'm Dave. I'm the only host here of political football. And uh <laughs> <laughs> bye. <laughs> um uh yeah, no, this I did not get a double calf strain drafting best ball teams, um, which is a true story. All right, uh, Scott, the games this week, they sucked. It was a rough week. It was. It felt to me like week one. Yeah, and does it feel like scoring is down? Scoring is down. So this is the lowest. Oh, I wish I could remember. This is the lowest scoring year so far through six weeks since 2017, I believe. Yeah. Um. Yeah, It and it's like. 10 points per game down or something ridiculous from the COVID year where nobody, nobody played defense. Yeah. Um, It'll bounce back. It's just, uh, I, yeah, we talked about this and we, we kind of not argued about it, but we, we had our, our disagreement about the whole draft stuff. And I do think, I think there's a little bit of, we're on the, the cutting edge of going back to team, some offenses being bigger. Um, and that's their answer to defenses playing more nickel. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. But I also feel like that's the defense's winning because running the ball is less de- is less efficient. Um, it, yeah, yeah. It just I think that I mean I know that's in the math way of looking at it, but think about the, the, the kind of the dinosaur mentality of NFL people, right? Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Just, uh, hey, if you guys want to play a bunch of small dudes, we'll just play big dudes and we'll run. Okay. And there is there is an element of that where I think some teams, like if you if you look at the way the Eagles are built, um, I don't think the 49ers are necessarily built this way or weren't intended to be built that way. They just happen to kind of benefit from it because Kittle's, he's a great blocking tight end. Mm-hmm. And McCaffrey is a pretty electric running back. But the Lions are definitely... Uh, they're a hundred percent built that way. They're just, they just want to play big boy football and you know, uh, we'll see. It's just, so I guess my counter to that would be not that it's, that's not happening, but that all those teams have great offensive lines or at least yeah. very strong to great offensive lines. And I feel like even if those teams wanted to be pass happy, they'd be great. Like if you just gave the Vikings, the 49ers offensive line and George Kittle, they and they still pass as much as they do, they'd still be really successful. Yeah, it just would be it'd be a lot harder to do it than it than it is. I mean, that's the thing, like, okay, so um I coach offensive line, not that anybody gives a shit about this, but just context about it. I coach offensive line in high school. 
there are parents who want us to throw the ball 25 times a game. It's really hard to do that. Yes. It is really, really hard to um, to fix all of the problems that stem from, from being in pass pro and trying to throw the ball. It's just a lot harder than than it is to and I know it's it kind of defies normal thinking that that it's really hard to run the ball but systematically um in in just about every way it is it is easier to run and if you're effective and efficient running then I think the mentality is who who cares if the, who, who cares that we could be more efficient throwing if it's that much harder to do now I know it's just that's a high school level so yeah. when you get to like the next level of college, it's a, it's a very different thing. And the NFL is, a, you know, even more different than that. It's just that that's, I think that's the mentality is it's well, easier to run, especially if you're good at it. Yes. And so, I, yeah, but I think that also kind of goes without saying, if you are unable to pass the ball, it is not as efficient to pass the ball. Correct. Right. So <laughs> the, the statement is in a vacuum. If a team can run and pass, it's more efficient to pass. Um, mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is that in the NFL, if you cannot pass the ball efficiently, you probably can't win the Super Bowl because there are teams that can and yes. they will. Or you'll find yourself in a situation where you're losing and you need to, and then you can't. That's the, I that's so that's the next step is can you then like if you're Atlanta and you get behind in games, you're done because you're not you can't efficiently pass the ball. They may they may be able to with a with a different quarterback. But, you know, um, if you're a team like, say, Philly, you can run the ball all day long. You're good at it. But if you get behind, you're still in games. Yes. You know, um, it's just an interesting th- it's an interesting thing to think about. Like, are we in it goes back to the entire I think I feel like we've wasted 10 minutes for everybody. Sorry, but we're going <laughs> to no, finish this. <laughs> no, you're you're good. And I hate to tell you, but people are actually very interested in like the fact that, that you do coaching and that, especially offensive line, because most of us don't know like the ins and outs of offensive line play and that that sort of thing either. I don't either. I'm <laughs> 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 just kidding. No. Um, so it, it is, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, there is an element of um, the NFL being a copycat league. And, you know, we saw teams go smaller receivers and spread everything out. And the answer to that for defenses was to add an extra defensive back on the field. Mm-hmm. It's why a player like Brian Branch is so valuable in the Lions defense, because he can play in coverage and 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 survive there. But he's also excellent in the box against the run close to the line of scrimmage where, you know, you can see the value of those guys, those, those hybrid players where, um, you know, there was a time when we were younger where it was just straight up, we're running the ball. And, um, you know, there was not a lot of three wide, you know, four wide stuff, but there is now. So I want, I just, I don't have anything to back it up. It's just, it's just, I think that we're seeing a little bit of trending back towards, Let's get bigger. Let's go, you know, two tight ends or three tight ends, add gaps, um, make defensive players be disciplined, you know, and having to to defend extra gaps and run there. And that's, you know. Yeah. So a couple things. One, you said when we were younger, I just do want to point out that I was in high school for the Kurt Warner Rams. So they were passing the ball when some of us were younger. Um. 
No, I know. I know Thank when Clean you. was younger, he was watching Jim Thorpe play. So that doesn't. Uh, <laughs> that's not quite the same. Uh, secondly, <laughs> is that where I do agree with you here, and this is related to Paul's comment. So Paul says a lot of the efficiency of passing comes from long downfield targets, but the too deep look restricts those, which makes the efficiency gap closer. Meaning that uh, teams are playing two safeties deep downfield, not letting receivers get behind them. Yeah. On the one hand, Mike McDaniel of the Dolphins has solved this. On the other hand, he also has Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, which makes it a bit easier. Um, yeah. When you have speed burners like that who can who can handle that. But the Dolphins are also very efficient running the ball. Yes, because they have they have burners there too. Yes. So I will say that I think that where this changeup is most effective is in the red zone. Because you're not going to see too high safety looks in the red zone because there's not enough field behind them. And so now if you are more skilled at having 12, 13 personnel, two tight ends or three tight ends, adding extra gaps and good at running the ball, I can see that becoming more useful closer in towards the, towards the goal line. Yeah. But, I mean, you saw it with Detroit last year and they're yeah. 20 rushing touchdowns in the red zone, whatever it was, 17 yes. or whatever it was. Yes. Although to be fair, that is because I'm on Ross St. Brown got tackled at the one like nine times. He did. <laughs> those all should have been passing touchdowns, um, yes. which, which would have flipped those numbers drastically. Um, yeah, Jamal Williams owes him a nice dinner. Um, a bit. Okay, so yeah, so the games this week were not very good. We're not going to spend a lot of time on a lot of these games, but there are some interesting points to a few of them. The first game going all the way back to last Thursday, the Broncos 8 at the Chiefs 19. Um, this was a super boring game. Despite the score, the Broncos never really had a chance. The only thing that I took away from this game is that Sean Payton got confused about the down and called a timeout at the end of the half that allowed the Chiefs time on the clock to get a field goal before halftime. I'm not sure Sean Payton is the genius we think he is. Maybe he owes uh, Drew Brees a nice dinner. <laughs> uh yeah, there seems to be a theme of coaches we thought were good being carried by uh, Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I think if you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, you're okay. This is also leading me to think that I've been too harsh on Mike Tomlin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he has been way more successful post-Roethlisberger than Belichick or Peyton have been without theirs. He is, he is an incredible coach. Um from a culture standpoint and all of it and having to deal with everything he's had to deal with. Think about, think about the personalities and all the stuff that's gone on there. You know, yeah. um, it's impressive what he does year in and year out. I mean, he's doing it right now with, <laughs> with you know, with not a lot of talent. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, I know that you have been, you have kind of crushed him a little bit, but you know, yeah, I mean, I, my my overall thesis is that he's not as good a coach as everybody thinks he is. Which he's I a really still, good coach, which I still stand by. Yeah, but he's obviously a better coach without Hall of Fame quarterbacks than some of these other coaches. A hundred percent. Don't who don't yeah. have theirs. Yeah, uh, we have. So we actually took this opportunity to talk about a team on by, which is Pittsburgh, because the game sucked. But we have an actual question about the Chiefs here from Jake. At what point does Tony lose snaps to give more looks at Rasheed Rice? Well. Justin Watson hurt his elbow in this game. Um, and so I think that's going to give way to a lot more snaps for Rasheed Rice because Justin Watson is actually second on the team in snaps at wide receiver, I think. Um, and they're very different players too. Tony is a he's a gadget. Yeah. Where Rice at least at least 
in college, Rice was more of a down the field, win the win with the ball in the air type, which was, I think, the lure of why you know, hey, they spent a premium premium ish, not a first round pick, but they spent a relatively early pick on him. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think he will get there. I think he's a very talented player. Um, it's just going to take a little bit of time, but I don't think he and Tony really live in the same uh place on the field they just don't yeah so yeah rice rice's playing time wouldn't come from tony it would come from marquez Valdez scantling or justin watson who, so who watson, he should really surpass soon yes yes uh and with watson out now i think that's just going to happen we're going to see rasheed rice sky Moore, mbs and tony as the primary four rotating rotating through situations those the last three names that you said there are almost to me, at least, they're all like Sky Moore at this point is like, like what is like what's happening there? We know uh, well, what Velda Scantling is. Yeah, uh, you know? but he, but Marcus Velda Scantling has, is also not as good as he was at the one thing he used to do, running. Yes, fast. yeah, um, yeah. So he's not as good. Or I, I was gonna say getting open deep. Yeah, um, and Sky Moore probably sucks. Uh, the doors are completely closed on him, but he is now in his second year with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and still can't produce. Yeah. Um, Paul saying Sky Moore is a jag, just the guy. I mean, I mean hasn't Rice produced more already in his five games, six games, whatever it is, than, than more? Yeah, because Sky Moore didn't do anything really last year. Now, yeah. this does give us a chance to discuss um, – this, there's only two of these people, so it's not really a pattern yet, but these are profile misses by both of us um, in the draft process. So Rasheed Rice, I did not like that much as a prospect. He was a four-year player from a small school who didn't really produce that much his senior year. But he was playing hurt his senior year. Yeah. Um, and most small school players are four-year players. And with COVID, we've seen that effect has been muted some during while players were in college during COVID further Patrick Mahomes was working out with Rice before the draft it was pushing for the Chiefs to draft him yeah I think in the future I'm gonna give more weight to stories of where quarterbacks get receivers that they want because I think that means if the receiver gets on the field the quarterback kind of already trusts them or inherently wants that pick to work out yeah so they look good the yeah. other example of this is in Houston, where Tank Dell, four-year small school guy, also undersized, clearly shifty, like clearly athletic, but undersized. But C.J. Stroud, once he was taken by Houston, the first thing he did was tell Nick Casario he wanted to get Tank Dell. Yes. And it's like... But how did we miss on these guys? What are we talking about? Well, we missed them in, the in like, best ball context, redraft, dynasty, right... Now, Rice, of course, he went to the Chiefs, so we're like, yeah, he's he's great. But these are just not the typical profiles you're looking for. You want high production, three-year player, athletic testing off the charts, draft you capital. Do. That's your that's your that, <laughs> that's well, where that's we've back, butted heads in the past. That's well, that's that's back tested. So that is what leads to fantasy production, right? Uh, that's how you get Julio Jones, AJ Green, Calvin Johnson. I mean, that's who we're looking. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. That's yeah, but those are first for. round picks. We're not talking about first round picks, right? And so, how do we find players who aren't first round picks but are better bets than the other dust balls drafted around them? And I think when I think you just draft really good football players, regardless of 
And I know that's going to make you want to explode the top of your head off your. <laughs> yeah, because, because, because we don't know who the really good football players are or else we all would have taken Puka Nakua in our drafts this year. Right. So the question is, how what can we use to try to identify these players going forward? And I think quarterback wants this guy and got that guy. We should move up when we're thinking about these guys. Yes. Because Mahomes and Shroud are looking for rice in Tinkdale. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's totally reasonable. It's just, I wonder, I wonder how many, how many quarterbacks work out with prospects in the off season where, where maybe that waters down the the sample, so to speak. Maybe, maybe, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Those are the only two I've heard of where they actually got the guy. Yeah. Right. And it happened recently. So it's not enough to establish like a, a pattern or anything. But, yeah, but it's something to pay attention to. And, and as a tiebreaker, like if you're like, should I take Tank Dell or Cedric Tillman? Right. So just so you, I, I really like Tank Dell in the draft process to the point where my NFL kind of friends, literally, they would make, they would laugh at me, make fun of me about it. Like he's too small. He's, just, he's never going to survive in the NFL. I'm like, I don't know. I think he's pretty good. Right. So, so the fact that he's outperforming like his draft position, I, you know, I'm not necessarily surprised by it, but I think there is a little bit of, you know, uh, he's a really good player. Just he's tiny. Yeah. And to be fair, I'm not saying that like Rice and Tank Dell are stars or going to be stars or going to the Pro Bowl, that sort of thing. I'm just talking about relative to their draft position. Yeah. Right. And then where we choose to take them and where we choose to, I mean, obviously, like, you want super athletic, three-year, highly productive players. I mean, that's just at the wide receiver position. That is A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf. I mean, it's Debo Samuel. Like, that's the through line through yeah. through pretty yeah. much all We're of going, them. Like, looking forward to this year's draft, it's all the big-name dudes who are going to go in round one in this coming draft or is everything you're saying? Yes. Um, Guys who have broken out before their third year or in their third year, younger uh, players. Yeah. Before the age of 20 specifically. Those Um, are all going to be the guys who get drafted in round one. Yes. And so uh, a draft capital matters too, but I think that the quarterback wants the guy is draft capital in a way. Yeah. Right. Cause just because, just because Stroud wants tank Dell doesn't mean they're going to take him third over Will Anderson. That'd be ridiculous. Yes, but 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 you, because you they targeted him, that I think makes a ton of sense. And if yeah. it's it's that if Stroud did want Tank Dell, and he is there, there is an element of I like this guy, I trust this guy, I'm going to I'm going to get the ball to him in there. Yeah, already built in. You already know it. Exactly. So it's not something that you necessarily have to worry about translating if there's chemistry already. Right. So yeah. I think, I think that's a, that's a smart thing to be thinking about. It's good. And and Paul makes a good point here too. He says, Adam Levitan have established the run plays off the shower narrative stuff is a joke, but there's a kernel of truth there. So the shower narrative is the narrative that if players were teammates in college and they showered together, that means they already have a connection where they play together in the NFL, right? You're Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, whatever. I mean, it's a joke of course, but there's a little bit to that. Like Paul says, there was reporting after the season started that Puka Nakua had joined the breakfast club with Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford. Yeah. Had that story come out in the middle of August, I would have 30% Puka Nakua. 
<laughs> yeah, in course. the later rounds. And right? then you and then you throw in the cup injury and it's like, all right, in hindsight. Yeah. Right. It, but, you know, I think the McVeigh thing is a funnel for production. Right. But just the reporting, is. the reporting that we got was that Matt Stafford can't connect with these zoomers because yeah. they're always on their phones. Yeah. And yeah, I, was I remember like, oh. that. I was like, oh, oh man, boy. they're gonna and they don't have cup, they're gonna struggle so bad and all this when really Nicole was having it was having breakfast with Cup and Stafford, because the Stafford Cup breakfast thing was the thing last year or two years yeah. ago when they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. So yeah, there I just I there's some more to that. And um so I wanted to mention that here on this shitty slated games week. Ravens 24, the Titan 16. This game was played in London. I was at West Elm buying a rug while this game was being played because the NFL refuses to schedule London games at a time that's watchable. Um <laughs> Ryan Tannehill hurt his ankle. If he misses extended time, the Titans are in trouble because Malik Willis is 100% not him. Okay. Let's move on. Malik Willis has never looked good. They signed Josh Dobbs to come off the street and play over him in a Muslim situation last year. Then they took Will Levis in the second round, and Malik Willis played uh, against the Ravens and still sucked. Malik Willis sucks. I know, but he had absolutely no time to throw the ball. No time to throw the ball. Zero. Yeah, I, I mean, I I don't I pro, I don't need to be defending him at this point, but he really didn't have he really did not have time to throw the ball. Now, in I haven't watched it, so I don't know. But in there are is he just refusing to throw the ball to open guys and therefore taking sacks? Maybe. And if he is, then I would I'll subscribe to your newsletter because what you're saying <laughs> makes sense. But. When you when you, you're a young player like that, and you don't have time at all to make, I mean, he made he made a couple of nice throws in that game from the pocket. It's just there's just no time, and I know he got crushed after that game. Yeah, you know, for some of that stuff, but you know, I don't know if the I don't I don't know what happened there, but um, can we talk about Baltimore for a second? I don't know what's going on there. It's really weird. Yeah, my um. My note on the Ravens is the Ravens struggled to score touchdowns against an inferior team, which besides the game against Cleveland where they scored four touchdowns on that defense seems to be what's happening there. It's really bizarre. Like they, it is, it's one with that team in particular, it's like if everything is going good, like, you know, if everything's in a positive direction, it's, it, it's good. But once, you know, all right, we're, we've, we've gone 70 yards in 10 plays. And we just got a holding call. Uh, you might as well bring out the field goal kicker now because you can't overcome that little bit of that little uh, whatever, whatever you want to call it, uh, adversity, whatever it is. And it just seems like sometimes they mail stuff in like that. Now, I, I don't think it's on Lamar because I think he's playing pretty well still. Yes. But you still have like you still you have drops going on. The offense is just. It's weird at times, and it just seems like. You know, we're going to find out that there's something off there. So the last week I called the Ravens unserious, and I stand by that because that's just how they play games. And I don't – we're going to find out this week because they host the Lions if they're able to get up for good teams. Yeah, I'm not predicting this to happen, but if a week from now we're talking about the Lions winning this game 38-10, to 10, I'm not going to be shocked. Like, like if the Ravens just – continue to be unserious in the face of strong opposition. Yeah. And not Dorian Thompson Robinson. 
and Malik Willis, then they could they could find themselves in a world to hurt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, coming up, I'm, I'm not sure which week. There's a game in Germany, Dolphins versus Chiefs. So we got to be up and watching because it actually matters. Fun. That'll be a fun one. Yes, but you got to be able to watch it. Ridiculous. Yeah. Well, don't, um, don't go shopping for rugs. What are you doing? <laughs> it's you a nice rug. Listen, she doesn't need your input on that. It's I'm sorry, nice, but it, she it, doesn't. It, it's a nice rug. I got to say. It's I'm a sure good, it is. It's a good rug. Well, no, we went to our our, our friend uh, producer. Jeff was in town. And we went to uh, our favorite bagel shop for breakfast sandwiches and then to the rug shop. Totally reasonable. Know. Um, Panthers 21, Dolphins 42. The Panthers were up 14 to nothing to start this game. Um, Mike White, Mike White, who's that? White Mike threw one pass in this game, it was a pick six returned by the Panthers. So I think if Tua gets hurt, I'm it's a good thing they have White Mike, but that's pumped the brakes on that. Like, yeah, he's he's great. Um, stats of this game Tua 21 to 31, 262 yards, three touchdowns, no picks with uh. Devon Achan out, Raheem Mostert, 17 carries, 115 yards, two touchdowns, three catches, 17 yards, and another touchdown. Tyreek Hill, six catches, 163 yards, and a touchdown. This team is a juggernaut. They are. They are a fun team to watch. Uh, we have. I have openly talked on this show and in other places. I love that. I love McDaniel. I, I love what he does. Yes. Um. Everything they do is predicated on speed. I worry what happens when things slow down in the cold and when playoffs are here for them, for that particular team. Couple, couple things. One, they could get the number one overall seed and play other games huge. in Miami into the Super Bowls indoors in Vegas. Yeah. Um. Two. They almost beat the Bills last year with Skylar Thompson. I remember. So, I, I, yeah, if they if they're like the six seed, and have to go three straight outdoor away games in the playoffs. They're probably in trouble. Yeah, but if they go home game, home game at Kansas City, and it's not thirteen below zero, they're probably okay. Yeah, yeah. It's just that that team's more dependent on being able to use their speed than you know, others. Yeah. And that means weather could be a problem for them, but yeah, but yeah. they can also run the ball. So in bad weather, they could still, you can, can yeah. Still move the ball. And they're, they are just, I don't care if they're throwing or running. They're fun to watch. They are. They just are. They're um, dynamic. Saints 13 at the Texans 20. There is no proof that this game actually happened. Moving on. Yeah. This game, this is a false flag psyop operation. I don't think this game actually occurred. The only thing I have to say about it is that the Texans are not, most likely not going to earn a top five pick, which is important to Arizona. Yes. Commanders 24 at the Falcons 16. Arthur Smith remains an enigma. He does the right thing by going for two after scoring to make the score 24 to 16 in the fourth quarter. But on the two point attempt, they give the ball to Tyler Algier and not one of the three top 10 pick skill position players they have. Yes. Also, Bijan Robinson is not the goal line running back for them. Scott, off the top of your head, how many rushing touchdowns does Bijan have this year? Zero. Correct. Yeah. He's yeah. got two catches, I think, for touchdowns. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And no rushing touchdowns. Because Tyler Algier is the goal line back. And 
this just goes back to them spending the draft capital on Bijan in the first place. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just take Jalen Carter and roll with Tyler Algier. Right. If this is what you're going to do. Thing to do. Or maybe your coach is your run game coordinator and you have somebody else calling plays who designs a passing game around Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Now this was one of the first games where Pitts and London both got there together in a fantasy yeah. sense. I did not write the stats down, but they both had at least five catches, at least 60 yards. Pitts got in the end zone for the fourth time in his career, which is an amazing stat. Um, also, Kyle Pitts is younger than Luke Mus- Musgrave. Yeah. And Dalton yeah. Kincaid. I think he's two years younger than Dalton Kincaid. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Zachary Kruger uh, tweeted, the Falcons outgaining the commanders 402 to 193 and losing by eight is a quote, how to beat yourself masterclass. Yeah. I, I mean, it, you know, I like I like Sam Howell. I think Sam Howell has has a future in the NFL as a as a quarterback. But you know, um, I don't. I mean, they're never. You know, you're not going to be as efficient as he was on on Sunday all the time. But think about what Sam Howell would be doing for fantasy players if he was the quarterback of Atlanta. Yeah, you know what I yeah. mean, like. It, it doesn't take a lot to think about how productive those guys could be. Yeah. Uh, and it, so Jake asked, when does uh, Arthur Smith finally make a move away from Ritter as starting quarterback? Like, this needs to happen. Uh, somebody, yeah. I saw a, a random Atlanta Falcon fan on Twitter called Desmond Mitter. And I was like, that's really funny. <laughs> that's so mean. Uh, <laughs> that's really funny. And um, yeah. I, I know this isn't going to happen because you don't get midseason trades like this. But everybody says Kirk Cousins to the Jets. Kirk Cousins to the Falcons. And Falcons fantasy players to the moon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, I even think Taylor Heineke is as mid as, as he is would unlock a lot yes. of fantasy production from these guys. Well, he's uh, t- Taylor Heineke is obviously much better than Desmond Ritter at this point. I mean, so I think the only thing that you could say that might be, might be smart that that they're doing there is eliminating Ritter as they as a future quarterback for them. And if they are in the process of doing that, that's probably good. That sounds terrible that we're saying this, but you you, are, you know what you have with Ritter. He is he's not it. So move you you have to move off of him. And if if that means that you have to to make to be bold and make you know a bold play for one of these and this is going to be a loaded quarterback class. Um, you should do that, right? I mean, you should do that. Yeah. Well, I think Atlanta, because they're going to be too good to get one of those quarterbacks, because I think they're going to win this division. Yeah. Um, they should just sign Cousins in the offseason, though. Like, this should just be like an automatic, just go get them and That's and fine. Go. Yeah. But, there, you know, there are going to be quarterbacks like – I don't know where Penix is going to fall to. I don't know where how high McCarthy is going to go. Although I know what I think about him. I don't know where um, Bo Nix is going to go. Although I think Bo Nix and Ritter are probably very similar guys. Um, Bo Nix is better. Maybe, but is he, is he that, you know what I mean? Like um, to me, McCarthy is the, is the prize uh, in this class. And I know he's not being talked about as like, quarterback one because of Caleb Williams, but 
Um, there's there's just a bunch of quarterbacks in this in this particular draft who are intriguing, and it would be it would be smart business to to get as high as you can and go get one. But if you don't want to do that, the opposite the other way is paying a guy like Cousins. It's just it's just very expensive to do that. Well, I think, but I think Atlanta's ready to win right now, and so well, then pay Cousins. It's fine. Yeah, that's why yeah. that's why it makes sense. I think the rest yeah. of the team is ready to go. Draft defense, pay Cousins. London Pitts, Bijan, let's go. Uh, offensive line is fine. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Colts 20, Jags 37. The Jags scored 37 points without even having to evolve Calvin Ridley or Evan Ingram. And Zay Jones was out with injury. This is a high-powered offense when they put it all together and execute. Yeah, they are. Etienne looked really good. Yes. Um, Lawrence Lawrence did get banged up. It sounds like it is not a long-term knee kind of a thing. No, he's day to day, but they play on Thursday. Yeah, I, and I, I, I would, I don't know when their buy is, but it wouldn't surprise me if he if he kind of sat this week. Uh, just you know, totally precautionary kind of a thing. He may play. I don't know. Do you know uh, who their backup is? No, CJ Beathard. Who? CJ Beathard. Are you talking Bethard from Iowa? Is that how you say it? I think so, but I could <laughs> I could be wrong. I might start saying it the other way because it sounds so much better. Yeah, no, I'm trolling. It's Bethard. Yeah, CJ Bethard. <laughs> Is that the old Cleve joke, Johnny Coxlam? <laughs> I have busted out that I busted it out way too much recently. <laughs> hey, Johnny, yeah, no. Johnny Coxlam made another play. <laughs> yeah, CJ, yeah, CJ beat hard. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Jaguars look good. Yeah. They do. They are kind of. Uh, I think they're still trying to figure it all out. But you know, having having a running game that's that's productive helps. And Lawrence is good. He's still only twenty four years old. So you know, um, yeah. I mean, you know, th- that's an interesting team. The Colts. They looked a little off with. With Gardner Minshew, he threw a bad pick. Um, I don't know if you watched it, but the the announcer in the game it was it was hilarious. He hasn't thrown an interception in over a hundred attempts. There's an interception. It was funny. What are you looking at? What are you watching? Uh, yeah, they're showing um, images of the hospital oh, that got bombed yeah. in Gaza. Yeah, and there's just like nothing there, and I hadn't seen any images of it yet, so. It, Caught me out of the corner of my eye. Yeah, it's a pretty horrible situation. Um, yeah, uh, all around as we touched on as we touched on last week. Yeah. Um, and President Biden is going there tonight. He leaves sometime tonight. Um, to head over there and yeah, tensions uh, are tensions are high everywhere. I, I don't know if you saw the the embassies in in and around the U.S., mm-hmm. Israel, and some of the British embassies. It's yeah. just, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like I said, we're not gonna, t- we're not really gonna talk about it too much here, unless the United States basically has to commit armed forces <laughs> to the to the conflict. I think um, they already have, or or it spreads. Well, I know they put like some, yeah. uh, like a couple of aircraft carriers in the region or whatever. But I mean, like, like there a are, war, war there are two thousand, um, uh, like marine reactionary, a reactionary force. Yeah. On the ground there already. Yeah. I think that's still a deterrent, though. It's I not a. So. I, yeah, I really hope get in there. Um, all right. No good, easy way to transition back from this. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, that's, no, no worries. Um, 
Anthony Richardson reports are he's probably done for the year, which is very sad because he was looking really good. And I want him to get this full year zero to just work through all the yeah development. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because he was way ahead of where most people thought he was. Not you though. You've always been out ahead that you thought he was more ahead in his process. Yeah, just there were there were throws that he made. I mean, the Florida offense really hung him out to dry. Everything was a deep down the field throw. Didn't make a lot of sense what they did timing wise and, and read wise and all that stuff. But there were times when you could see him like do just ridiculous things in his progressions and doing like NFL level stuff and just, you know, layering throws where it's like, no, this is not just, this is not Joe Milton, right? right. Like he's more than just that. Yes. But it sucks that he's not going to get this year of growth. Um, but clearly he was, he was playing at a pretty high level for a rookie quarterback. It's just, you know, it's a bummer that he's, you know, uh, injured. He is going to have to deal with this stuff though. He's going to have to figure out how to, how to take contact and not get so banged up, you know? Yeah. Yep. Uh, shittiest game for the week. For in my opinion, Seahawks 13 at the Bengals 17. Um, my, my note that I wrote down for this game is, and I quote, I mean, fuck, really, 30 total points? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Uh, well, Geno missed Jackson Smith and Jigbo for a wide-open touchdown for one thing, so that yeah. didn't help. Uh, the Bengals did regress here a little bit from last week, um, so they did not look that great, but the Bengals are now 3-3 three and three going into their bye, which I they think were they're in a good position. Yeah, because they were one in three. Yeah. And like, like, is Joe Burrow hurt? And are they going to be two and four come come their bye? So to be yeah. three and three and have Burrow look much healthier with the bye coming up. And Seattle's a really good team. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I think about a year and a half ago, I said some ridiculous shit about the Seahawks. <laughs> and, and and I was I was very wrong. Yeah. And they've built on that. They're they're a really good football team. You know, I mean, I know they lost, the Lions lost to Seattle in week two, but that does not look like a bad loss right now. For, and then, you know, on the opposite side of that, if you're Cincinnati and you beat them going into your bye, giving Burrow a little more time, you know, every day that he he's further away from that calf injury is, is you know, another day that they're closer to being, you know, performing at a high level. Also, it's, it's clear this it was clear in this game that the, that the ribs were still uh, hurting uh, T. Higgins. Yeah. And he was playing through some pain. So two weeks off for him is going to be yeah. good. You T. Higgins were good too. Uh, ben pops in to say uh, Ken Walker the third. Uh, well, the Seahawks scored 13 points here. So I don't know. I'd be shouting out any Seahawks offensive player. He's a really good player. He he is a he is a really good running back. Uh, that is true. But as we can see, really good running backs do not lead to wins in the NFL. You have other things um, around it. Vikings 19 at the Bears 13. Ugh. <laughs> that, that sums it up perfectly. There was a point. So Justin Fields gets hurt in this game. Dislocated thumb. Doubtful for this coming week. Which means that there was a point in Vikings Bears where neither Justin Fields or Justin Jefferson were playing. Do you yeah. know how absolutely shitty these teams are without those two players? They're really bad, and I'm sure because I know I know your generalized approach to to these things. 
I would imagine that you're you have a lot of Justin Jefferson and a lot of Justin Fields, and that's got to suck. Well, yes, I have a lot of Justin Jefferson because he was the consensus one hundred and one. So anytime you get the first pick, you take him. Yeah. If somebody doesn't take him, you take him second. So yeah, I have a lot of Jefferson. Um, do also have a lot, a lot of Justin Fields. Um, although not as much as before because he didn't have any really good stacking partners because DJ Moore yeah. was a little too expensive. Yeah. Uh, but but some, um, but just like for watching this game, Kirk Cousins was hopeless without Justin Jefferson out there. I mean, the entire yeah. offense was just kind of falling apart. And then somebody named Taysen Bajant. <laughs> That's a real guy. <laughs> Do you know how hard it is for there to be an offensive skill position player in the NFL who I don't know who they are or where they went to college? <laughs> yeah. Maybe a couple times a year. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And this guy comes off the bench and I was like, this, I was like, this is obviously something like, this is like a make a wish thing. There's no way this is like an actual football player. And then he, imme- <laughs> then he immediately gets strip sacked. The Vikings scoop it and score for the game when he touched him. It's just funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, good on the Bears organization for making this kid's uh, dreams come true here. Yeah. Um, no, put in the backup. No. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, I mean, and now this Beijing kid, I guess, is going to be start. Watch, watch this guy actually end up being a, a, like amazing in like twenty years. He's going to the Hall of Fame. There, this is not old takes exposed. But um, <laughs> the next Tom Brady, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah. By the way, uh, we'll get to Jimmy G later. But Jimmy G had a back injury, serious enough to go to the hospital in this game, so he's probably out next week. Yeah. Bears play the wait- Raiders. Are you ready for Tyson Bajent versus Aiden O'Connell? No. Nobody is. <laughs> no. Alex pops in to say, uh, Raiders D gonna smoke this kid. I mean, yeah, yeah. Max Max Crosby is not who I'd want to be going against if I'm uh them. Anyways, yeah, this game was horrible. Um 49 or 17 at the Browns 19. I say never draft the running backs in the first round, and I mean it. Never draft kickers. The 49ers spent the 99th overall pick on Jake Moody, who is a good kicker, just yes. to watch him miss a 41-yarder to win the game. Mm-hmm. Jake Moody is a good kicker. He went to Michigan. Yeah. Like, we know he's a, he's a great kicker. Yeah. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen him miss, like, including this one, two kicks from inside 53 yards in his career. So he's obviously good. You can't spend the 90th overall pick on a kicker. There's too many other good, important. Just get another offensive lineman. Yeah. In that range. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm, I'm with you. I just, those kind of things like, you know, hey, you drafted a long snapper in the fifth round. Huh? Kind of stuff. Like, it's strange. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know how much of that game you watched, but. Too much. It is, if you're a. If you're if you're just a Deshaun Watson dynasty owner, go sell him right now for whatever you can get for him. Nobody wants him. Nobody, I, maybe, but that team, the Browns played very differently on Sunday than they have in a little while. Yeah, and I think it's very obvious that they were very uh, competitive in that game and wanting to win that game, not necessarily. To, to say to him, hey, look, we don't need you. 
but some of it is there. Like, oh, there is there is an element of you know, um, we're gonna win in spite of you, and it makes me wonder how long he's gonna be in that organization. Oh, it forever. really does forever because nobody's taking that contract. Maybe, but there are ways around all those things. You know, um, it's just I, I just find it interesting to me, and maybe not to anybody else. It's just interesting to me that they look so different. Even defensively, like you wouldn't, I mean, sometimes those, you know, offense and defense are sort of compartmentalized, but they, you know, it seemed like they really, uh, they were in that game and they, they played a really good game. Uh, I don't know how you block miles Garrett when he wants to not be blocked. Like, yeah, good luck. So that was, that was my note here. I said, Purdy was under constant pressure. That is the path to beat in the 49ers, but does it take a miles Garrett level player to make it happen? Um, if you're one-on-one against Trent Williams, yes, it is going to take a Miles Garrett type of player, but you can manufacture production or a pressure other ways. It's just, you know, if you have Miles Garrett, you can you can line him up and 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 say, hey, it's you and you against him one-on-one. You're going to win, you know, 15 to 20% of these snaps. Um, and then everybody else can, you know, it just the Browns are playing really good defensive football right now. They don't need great offensive play to win games. That just to me, that was an alarming thing. That was just like, they, you know, this is almost a statement to Deshaun Watson. I know he's been cleared by their doctor and he, and he's chosen himself that he doesn't want to play or he's not ready to play. It's bizarre. Um, you know, it makes me wonder. My other note in this game is that the Browns seem to think that Elijah Moore is some like gadget player, like Kadarius yeah. Tony. Yeah. Throw the ball to Elijah Moore down the field, please. Like, have you never seen this guy play football? Yeah. So now this is the second team where they've miscast him. And it makes that's another makes me wonder kind of situation. Yeah. Or just dipshit offensive coaches. Maybe who don't know what they're doing. Uh Debo Samuel, CMC, and Trent Brown all hurt or Trent Williams all hurt in this game. All considered day to day. The uh, CMC has an oblique injury, but apparently it's a pain tolerance issue. So yeah. I've seen some reports he's down two to four weeks and some saying that it's all pain tolerance. And because they play Monday night, that if he can just deal with the pain and get a shot or whatever, he'll be okay to go. But they're playing the Vikings. Like, just give the ball to Elijah Mitchell 400 times. He'll be fine. Yeah, you, yeah, that's a buy. It's a little bit like a buy for them. Yeah. Yeah, like he could be active and you could dress him, but like yeah. break in case of emergency. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. And, and honestly, same thing with Debo. Like George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk are enough to beat the Vikings without Justin Jefferson. They are. Yes. Patriots 17, Raiders 21 in the Josh McDaniels uh, Bowl. Uh, Jimmy G got hurt. Brian Hoyer came in and was immediately the best quarterback on the field. Immediately the best quarterback on the field. Now, this leaves me to what I thought would be a kind of a hot take, but apparently is not. The Patriots must fire Bill Belichick after the season if he does not step down. That's bold, but um, they are trending in a very bad way. They really are. And it's, yeah, it goes suck. back to what we were talking about a little while ago. Hall of Fame quarterback. Yes. You know. Uh, oh, my second, my follow-up to that is that um, Bill Belichick is more washed than Zeke and Delvin Cook combined. <laughs> That's pretty washed. <laughs> it is incredibly washed. It's washed. Lions twenty at the Buck Six. Scott, talk. 
Um, another. Okay. <laughs> it feels surreal watching the Lions beat a team like the Panthers. Panthers are not a good football team, but they're an NFL team. Mm-hmm. And you just, you just, you know, you kind of pulverize that team. But the Buccaneers present challenges uh, with their defensive line and the way they play defense, their linebackers, Levante David's really good. Devin White's really good. They're going to run stuff down. Um, and then on the offense, you have Mike Evans, you have Chris Godwin, you have a pretty good offensive line. Baker Mayfield's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback, but he's a good quarterback. And you just, you just kind of, you handled your business very easily in that game as well. And I know it was 20 to six, but that game was really not that close. Um, it just, as a Lions fan, it's uncomfortable watching this stuff play out because it's yes. not normal. The Lions have won their last four games by 14 or more points. Yeah. All in a row. But this one in particular, on the road against a team that presents unique challenges and makes it difficult uh, for you to run the offense that you – I mean, the, the Lions did not run the ball effectively and were not going to be able to run run the ball effectively on that defense. Yet they still – they got a big play from Amon Ross St. Brown. You got a huge play from Jamison Williams who looks a little different. He looks like he's back uh, the way he's moving. And, you know, uh, Goff, what can you say? You know, um, at some point in time, I'm going to have to eat some crow on that one because he has really, he has developed as a player. There was always, you know, there was always a touch of upside in that trade. Um, The Stafford, the Rams-Lions trade, just because McVay never allowed Goff to, to progress as a, he was like um, a parent who never allowed his kid to do anything and did everything for his kid. And then his kid left home at 18 and couldn't figure out how to do shit where the lions have said, no, you got to figure this out. And they've let, they've let him. And so he's grown as a player significantly with the lions. And, you know, I, he's playing at a pretty high level. He really is. Are the lions the best team in the NFC? I don't want to say that, but I, 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 I don't, I, I think Philadelphia probably beats the lions. I do. And I think um, the 49ers might beat the lions. And for some reason, the Seahawks present challenges to Detroit for what Detroit does, but they're right there. I mean, through, through six games, they're right there. There's no reason. There's no reason we shouldn't be talking about them in, in that at, you know, in that range. I mean, are they, they're a, they're a team that's going to challenge to get the buy in the NFC. They are. Yeah. So the fact that I asked that question and you didn't go, well, that's an unreasonable question. And that's is totally, enough, yeah. It's enough, is enough of an answer. Uh, Lions are at the Ravens this week. If they beat the Ravens by 14 or more, we're, we're going to be talking. Uh, yeah, and I, you know, I don't know if you've done the schedule game, but look at that schedule. It's like, uh, yeah. And so for listeners who may not know, Scott and I are both Lions fans. Um, and for that reason that a lot of our chat is also Lions fan, except for Jake, who likes the Chargers, Lord help him. And Alex, who likes the Giants, who at least have won a Super Bowl or three in his lifetime. Um, <laughs> so yeah. I don't feel bad for Alex. But um, uh, so Paul from the chat, he was at the game. He was in Tampa for this game. Um, 
He says that the Tampa Bay football stadium experience was corny as hell. And I said it as a fan of an NFL team with a fight song. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> uh, well, to that, let me say forward down the field, a charging team that will not yield. And with the blue and silver <laughs> wave, stand and cheer the brave. That's great. <laughs> um, yeah. And then he says, Paul says, yeah, it never felt like the Lions were in a position to lose. It felt very strange. Ben follows with, none of this is natural, but fellas, sometimes it's time to get a little weird. Yeah, we're going to. Yeah, and, and they're going to play more more uh, uncomfortable games as the season goes on, too. I mean, we just yeah. talked about it. They're going to challenge for the bye. They're going to. They're going to. Hopefully, have a home playoff game. I mean, just think about it. It's oh, not there's there's not even a hopefully about that. If they do not win the division this year, something has happened and gone horribly wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're going to win the division, but it's like you know, do they get a home playoff game? Man, if they win I, the know, division, they will. Is that how? What, what for yeah, sure? One hundred percent. Because okay. two hosts seven, three hosts six, four hosts five. So if you win your division, you get a home playoff game, guaranteed. Okay. And if they're the second, I would know that. If they're the second seed, they get two home playoff games, right? They get, yeah. If if they recede, yeah, yeah, right. So first seed gets the bye, and then home field throughout. Second seed gets at least two home playoff games. Is yeah, how, it, and it would be just remarkable if that's kind of where they ended up. Yeah. So you've gone, you've gone, f- however many years, thirty plus years, I think. Whatever it was, 1995 was their last playoff win, right? The, their last playoff win was January 8th, 1992, but who's keeping track? I guess you are. So we're talking I was there. 30. I was in third grade. I'm 40. That was Dallas, right? Yes. Uh, Steve so that's 31 started. years ago. Yeah. Um, and, and you're looking at this group of people taking this team two and a half years ago over from Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia and doing this? Yeah. We fell through a black hole, buddy. We're in an alternate world. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's it's pretty incredible. Uh, yeah. I want to point out, Alex, this point in the chat that he did go to U of M, so the Lions are his backup team. So it's not it's not a uh, welcome aboard. Yeah, it's not it's not totally Jover for uh for Alex. Um, all right, Cardinals nine, Rams twenty six. Cooper Cup seven catches, one hundred forty eight yards, and a touchdown is officially back. Um. It was a great effort from the Cardinals, but now it's time to tank, especially since Houston is not going to have a top five pick. The Cardinals need to ensure they get one with their own pick. Yeah, and I read today, uh, it sounds like Kyle Murray might be coming back. That's a team that's been surprising how competitive they've been. And I think a lot of that, you the coach there deserves a lot of credit for kind of getting them turned around and, and get getting them in the right direction. I don't yeah. know what they're going to do with Kyler Murray though. I really don't know what's going to happen in that. They're, show, they're showcasing him for a trade. That's fine. I don't know anybody yeah. who's going to make that trade for him either though. Yeah. Um, Eagles 14 at the Jets 20. So Jalen Hurts 28 uh, completions on 45 attempts, 280 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, had another touchdown on the ground, another tush push, of course. Um, Here's the thing. The Eagles were winning this game up until the very, very end of the game. Why is Jalen Hurts throwing the ball 45 times in a game the Eagles are winning the entire way through? Were they having trouble running the ball? 
I, I assume not. I don't know. What, no. I mean, I don't know statistically what they did. So running I think I think that their game plan was to pass because the Jets were without Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, and whoever their yeah. third best corner is. Yeah. So they were like, that's going to be the weakness on the defense rather than trying to run at Quinn Williams and CJ Mosley. Yeah. But like, you're the Eagles. Run the ball. Like, you should yeah. never, the Eagles, the Eagles specifically should not throw the ball 45 times when they have a lead. Like, the Lions shouldn't. The no. Browns shouldn't. The Titans shouldn't. Like, there are teams where once you have the lead, you should be because you are able to actually run the ball. So that just, that was just driving me crazy. Um, Kaliba's not here tonight. He got caught up with the work thing, but I do have a question for him, uh, which I turned into a statement since he's not here. But Cleve, uh, old buddy, old pal, I hope you like Zach Wilson because you are stuck with him now for the rest of the season. Yes. <laughs> he is. He is entrenched. Um, unless Aaron well, Rodgers magically comes back. In that game, DeAndre Swift had 10 carries for 18 yards. Kenny Gainwell had two for 13 yards. Boston Scott had two for two yards. So they ran their running backs ran 14 times for 33 yards. Is that bad? That's bad. <laughs> That's you know, uh Hertz had eight carries for 47 yards and a touchdown. But that would be um this is the DeAndre Swift problem. Um he's gonna give you games like this where he's just ineffective, right? So and maybe maybe they just didn't match up well with the Jets defensive front. I don't really know. But I didn't watch it. I didn't see it, you know, down and down out. But also Lane Johnson got hurt in this game, star yeah. tackle for the Eagles. So that could have something to do with it. Yeah. Uh only other note on this game is that Brees Hall looks fully healthy. Like he's Brees yeah. Hall is like back back to being to being himself. And he is a very good running back. Yes, he is. Uh two more games here, then we'll quickly look ahead to next week. Uh Giants nine at the Bills 14. This was the Sunday night game. The Giants are one in five and should really start considering capitulating for Caleb. Yes. Like if they're not going to extend Saquon, it's time to look at moving him to a contending team. Yeah. Um, if if Dimes actually does have a really bad neck, shut him down. Right? Let Tyrod Taylor come in. It is Tyrod Taylor, not Tyrod, which is weird, but it but confirmed. Yes, Tyrod Taylor. But I'm um, never going to say it appropriately because it's just never – it doesn't work in my brain. It just doesn't. Uh, uh, yeah, let Tyrod Taylor take over for the rest of the year and just, you know, because yeah. like, what are they going to – they've played six games. They play 17, so there's 11 left. If they go six and five in the rest of the games, now they're seven and ten. They've accomplished nothing, and they just harm themselves going forward. You're in purgatory with, right. with that quarterback and that contract. You are. Right. Just. So there's one way out, and that's to yeah. lose as much as you can and right. get Caleb or Drake May or J.J. McCarthy, whatever, you know, yeah. one of these guys. Yeah. Next, the whatever. only way out is down for the Giants. Yeah. Uh, because that offense, aside from Saquon, really doesn't have much talent. Andrew Thomas no. is pretty good. But, like, the skill positions, there's no talent really on that team. I think Wandale could be like a good slot receiver or whatever, yeah. but they don't, they just don't have it. So you got to get it, move Saquon. Cause it's clear. They don't want to pay him. So trade him to a contending team. I'm sure Baltimore would love to have him. Did he get, but, he signed a one year contract, right? Yeah. He signed, okay. he signed the franchise tag with a couple of incentives. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure Baltimore, I'm sure Baltimore would, would love to have him. 
And um, I'm sure the Giants would love the draft capital they might acquire yes, for him. Yeah. Yes. Um, Alex saying that there's talent everywhere. There is not talent everywhere in this offense. Darren Waller is beyond washed at this point. He's he's like two more good hits from becoming Zach Ertz. Um, <laughs> Darius Slayton has never done it, even when they were good. Isaiah Hodgins is the jaggiest jag to ever jag. I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, there's just there just isn't there's there's nothing there. There's nothing there, right? Their best offensive player by far is a running back, which is already a death knell in the NFL. They're one in five. The season is done, right? They're not catching Dallas. They're not catching Philly. Yeah, right. So they're going to have to. We're going to need two. We're going to need two of the three wild cards coming out of the East. So let's say the Giants make the wild card as the seven seed. So now they're the seven seed, which means they're going to Philly, to San Francisco, or to Detroit. Congratulations, yeah. you're out in the first round. Like, well, that's ex- you know they they were in the playoffs last year and they beat a fraudulent Minnesota team. Um, and they then decided. They were paying their quarterback, right? So that's somewhat sometimes it's you know trying to say this carefully because I I mean I I think they have a little more talent than you think they do, but the point is is that it's not enough to compete at it's not enough to compete at the levels that you need to compete at with Daniel Jones as your quarterback. You still need like if they had if you knew they were getting Marvin Harrison to that offense, you would say, okay, everything now lines up and everybody slots into the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever your wide receiver to is cool. Wandale's your slot receiver. Good. Waller's your tight end. Good. We're good. Let's, you know, that's, that's a reasonable offense. That's kind of, but you need that guy. Otherwise right. everybody else is playing, you know, one position up and it's just, it's a little problematic, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, they peaked and they, they unfortunately beat a Minnesota team in the playoffs and it, and I think it gave them a little bit of, all right, we're, we're, we're in the right direction and, you know, it's they, very, they are, they are one in five and they haven't even played the Eagles yet. They got to play them twice. Yeah. I, I mean, like, you know, I'm not saying the, the giants are a two and 15 team. They're probably a five and 12, six and 11 team. It would benefit them greatly to be a two yes. and team. Right. Yes. Right. Because they are not a double digit win team and no. they are not a go on the road and beat Detroit, San Francisco, Philly in a row team to make it to the Super Bowl. No. And I know, like for Alex and for other Giants fans, this is hard because the Giants have snuck into the playoffs and ran off to the Super Bowl before. Yeah. This but has happened to them. They had dudes when they did that, though. Right. Like this, this is not that, right? So do not be middling, right? The goal in the NFL is to win the Super Bowl. It is not always to win the next Super Bowl. And the Giants are it are a great example of that. Like this is it. This is the time. First of all, right now, just based on like the analytics and whatnot, they already have a 14% chance of getting the first overall pick. So right? what is what was the contract they paid Daniel Jones? Because I, I don't... Four years, one sixty. Okay, but how much of that was guaranteed, Enough and how quickly it. can they get out of it after two years? After next year. Okay, so fine. So you're not you haven't killed yourself with your quarterback contract, right? 
you didn't you didn't go Deshaun Watson or Kyler Murray. So right. you can get out there. So let's let's say they end up with Drake May in this draft, right? Like that's let's say they are two and fifteen and they have the second pick or whatever it is. Yep. That's a perfect scenario for them. Yeah. It is. So it's not like it's hopeless. It's just they're, you know. And and if the Giants feel like Alex feels that um their main problem is just depth along the offensive line or whatever still tank for the second overall pick and trade out of it for massive draft capital, right? Like the same thing you do with the 11th pick, you trade it out so the Bears can come get fields. Yeah. Now you screwed it up by taking Kadarius Tony, but like still yeah. like you could do that again, but get that draft capital. Now, this is the chance to get it. The season is lost. Even though you could, the giants could still be average. They are not going to be good. They are not making the playoffs. Even if they somehow went on a huge run, they're getting murdered in the playoffs, anyways. Like, yeah, but it's, it's right. It's right there in front of them. If they, if Daniel yeah. Jones has to sit down, if he has to go on IR for four for four weeks, yeah, and you know doesn't play for four to six or eight weeks or whatever it is, it, it kind of sets you up to be to be in the running for one of these early picks, and that's yes. that's kind of what they do need to do. Yes, exactly. And so you know that is. I, I, I think the Giants organization would do well to realize that they're actually in like the second year of a rebuild and the first year they somehow made the playoffs and won a game on the road. <laughs> but yeah. like, and if you recall before the season, I did say they would finish fourth in this division. Yeah. Um, yeah. Behind, behind the commanders. And it's just, it's just coming to fruition here. And I can see where it's hard because they're not on paper such a horrible team. But they're also not good in a division with two really good teams. Yeah. In a tough schedule because they yeah, made the playoffs. Sure. Um, all right. Last game here. Oh, uh, the Bills. The Bills almost lost to the Giants in this game. It should be noted. Um, so I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, the they're... holding call in the end zone that really was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, they, I don't know why. They're like they, they can't really seem to focus week to week. Um, but like when the Bills put it together, like when they demolish Miami, when the Bills put it together, they're phenomenal. Yeah. So from them, we just say to see them consistently focus and put it together week after week after week. There's no doubt that the ceiling and the talent is there. Cowboys 20 at the Chargers 17. Uh, this was a close game down to the very end, and either team could have won. The Chargers lost because they're the Chargers, and that's what they do in close games. I'm not commenting. Okay. Um, I don't want to hurt our friend. Yeah. Um, well, I do. So here we go. One of the uh, <laughs> oh, one no. of the uh, one of the one of no. the <laughs> one of the uh, uh, one of the, my friends at work who's a, who's a boomer. Uh, but a knowledgeable boomer, but definitely a boomer. Um, he was saying that there was this instance in this game where the Chargers went for it, where they should have taken the three points because it was a low-scoring game. And so the exact situation he's talking about, it was fourth and one from the Cowboys' seven-yard line, seven minutes to go in the third quarter uh, with the Cowboys up by three. And I just want to take the opportunity to make the counterpoint here on the show. So his argument is it's a low scoring game. Get points where you can, because all points are so valuable. But the truth is that the opposite is true. 
because points are so valuable, they become of outsized importance, which means when you've managed to get to the seven yard line, you have to get a touchdown. Yeah. Right. Like because your opportunities to do so are probably not going to be that good again because it's a low scoring game. Yeah. You need that. You need, you need seven and not three. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with right. you. Yeah. Right. And so it feels like, Oh, you know, it's a low scoring game. Get all the points that you can. But no, you have to, in that case, you have to maximize the points as they come, right? If your offense is breezing up and down the field in a shootout, well, in that case, you actually can't kick some field goals, not fourth and one from the seven, but like you yeah. can't kick yeah, some yeah. field goals because your offense, you know, you can get touchdowns again going later. But yeah, you're going to have game, opportunities to score. Yeah. Yeah. It's even more important. So, yeah, it was worth five percent uh, five, uh, percent of uh, five points, of which is only a hundred of winning percentage to go for it there. Massive. Mistake yeah. to not go for it. And of course the Chargers did. They snuck Justin Herbert. They didn't make it right. Um, which is really the reason they lost this game. If they score a touchdown there, they probably win this game. Yeah. Um my uh my only other question for you about this game, Scott, Tony Pollard on a kind of a broken play had a breakaway in the middle of the field to the end zone and got caught from behind. Yeah. Tony Pollard is obviously not washed. No, but is this an example of how fast? I mean, he's 26. Is this an example of how fast it goes for them? Because Tony Pollard last year or the year before never gets caught in a situation. Brees Hall doesn't right now. Uh, young Dalvin Cook doesn't get caught there, right? Like, well, so, so they've turned him into bell cow between the tackles, you know, put your head down and grind your two and a half yards of carry out. Like, what is I don't know what Dallas is doing with you know, um. But, but even in this, but in this situation, so it's a broken play. Zeke is scrambling around, looks back. Pollard's like wide open five yards downfield on like a makeshift screen pass almost. Yeah, yeah. Like by kind of – and and he breaks away. Down yeah, he goes for like 60 yards, right? Yeah, and yeah. he gets caught from behind. And so my question is, is it because he's older, which 26 is older for a running back, is it because of the broken, t- uh, broken fibula last year? And it just sapped him of something. Is it because he put weight on because he knew he was going to be the bell cow? Is it all of that? Or is it just because the defensive back that ran him down, it's not like a Dory Jackson. This isn't like some 4-2 guy. Yeah. So I mean, it could be all of that stuff. He could have been uh he could have he could be gassed. I mean, he did he had a pretty good workload in that game. He did take a pounding, you know. I mean, he he was phys- physically, you know. Uh, dealing with some stuff in that game. But, you know, I, I mean, fast guys sometimes make fast plays. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. I don't, I can't remember really many times of him getting caught from behind. It just didn't Never. happen. Never. Yeah. Um, because the thing is, like, he didn't start out even with this guy. He started out yards ahead of him. Yeah. Which means this guy chewed up ground and nobody is fast enough to chew up that sort of ground on Tony Pollard, or they shouldn't be. Right? Yeah, I mean, like, so the weight gain, I don't know how much weight he did put on, but that's a big deal. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just is. It's, you know, some some players perform better uh, and, and don't lose speed when they put on weight, but maybe he has, maybe he's not, you know. Yep. But that's a mistake to use him that way, though. That's Dallas, Dallas should really understand that. They, you know, you had Zeke, who was a pretty dynamic player. And in the end, he had taken a, he had taken such a pounding from the way they used him that he, you know, he's washed. Yeah. Um, Extremely washed. 
Yeah. Um, so if you need somebody to, to, you know, put their head down, you've said this a million times, running backs don't matter all that much. Find Ty- a Tyler Algier in round five. Yep. And that's your battering ram type. You know, let Pollard be explosive, dynamic weapon in space. Yep. It's a mistake um, to do it any other way. Sorry. Uh, no, no worries. So before we uh, before we get out of here, do you want to take a quick look ahead at the games coming up this week? The Thursday night game is the Jaguars at the Saints, potentially with no Trevor Lawrence. Probably a snooze fest, but, you know, I'll be watching. Um, no Europe games this week, thank goodness. Uh, Falcons at Bucks. Um if Baker Mayfield is hurt, the Falcons should just roll this game. Kyle Trask is probably not him. The probably aforementioned, not. <laughs> yeah, the the aforementioned Raiders at Bears, uh, with Taysen Bajent against uh, Aiden O'Connell. Oh, and the Browns at Colts to get PJ Walker versus Gardner Minshew. I love the XFL. Oh. Uh, <laughs> sarcastic Dave is the best Dave. <laughs> um, commanders at Giants. By the way, if the Commanders go into New York and beat the Giants, can we just all agree the Giants should just tank from here on out? I think <laughs> we just... put together a pretty good uh, plan for them already. Yeah, but I meant all of us, including everybody in the chat. All right. Uh, Lions at Ravens. That's going to be a great game. Um, yeah. That's going to be I, – I cannot wait to see – and for me, this is great because Lamar Jackson is my favorite actual player. So yeah. to see Lamar Jackson against my favorite team, is it's going to yeah. be really fun. Yeah, it's uh, going to be mean, a really good game. I mean, I hope he sucks and they lose by 800, but it's going to be fun. Um, Bills are at the Patriots. You can put Belichick out of his misery. Uh, Cardinals at Seahawks. I feel like this is where the wheels have to come off for the Cardinals. Seahawks by yep. a million. Uh, Steelers at the Rams. Steelers coming off the bye, but I don't think they got what it takes. I mean, they can get after Matt Stafford for sure, but I don't think they really have what it takes to beat the Rams. No, I don't think so either. 425, Chargers at Chiefs. That's a good one. That is a fantastic game. Yep. Oh, that is a really good one. Um, So the 4 o'clock games are Cardinals, Seahawks, Steelers, Rams, Packers, Broncos, Jesus Christ. And then Chargers Chiefs. So there's That's like one week. Yeah, there's like one watchable game at four o'clock. Thank God for red zone. Uh the eight o'clock game though is fire. Dolphins at Eagles. Yep. That game yeah. is going to be. I mean, that's a huge test for the Dolphins on the road. It's going to be cold because it's eight o'clock in Philly. And yeah. here in DC, it's like mid-50s during the day right now. Yeah. Um, so Philly's going to be even colder. But the Eagles secondary is not that good now. So that's going to be a great test all the way around. Yes. And is. then the Monday night game, we have the 49ers at the Vikings, which should be a slaughter. Yeah. Yeah. The 49ers right. are going to walk. That's a, like we said, that's a, that's a little mini buy type deal. Yeah. Uh, Scott, any other comments before we get out of here? Nope. We're good. All right. Well, again, thank you everybody for, uh, for listening, for joining us in the chat. If you're watching live, please like the video. So be sure to subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. That sort of stuff really does help us out. Uh, if you're listening on audio, there is a link in the show notes to uh, to the YouTube so you can subscribe, get notifications for every time we go live, which is Tuesdays at 8 o'clock. Um, we're part of the Maddie Ice Media Network. Go to MaddieIceMedia.com. Other great podcasts there. Uh, Fire Footwear with Maddie Ice. They also have um, Iceman and Coach, which I was on a couple weeks ago. Great just general sports show. And uh, 
yeah, we'll see everybody next week after the Lions went by 30 in Baltimore. <laughs> see you guys. All right. <laughs> Peace out, everybody. <laughs>